The team has survey answers from a representative sample of the population. But how do they turn those into data researchers can use? John Payne is the team's associate director for data. Well, it might sound in essence quite easy that we would just say, well, here's the data we've received. There you go. Use the data. But uh, there are a lot of steps we have to go through to actually prepare it and uh, produce files that are suitable and usable for our research community. So where do you begin? So the first thing we do is uh, we quality assure QA check the data. That means that we first of all, we have to check we've got all the fields and all the variables we asked for. Plus, there's all sorts of admin data as well that comes back with that about question answering times, dates, durations, all manner of other data that we get back. We then also check that everything's been completed correctly. So what normally happens is the questionnaire is routed. So a participant will be asked a set of questions if a condition is met. Check that all of those variables are populated if the right conditions are met. So we have all sorts of checks that go on to test that and to check we haven't got answers to questions that shouldn't have been asked. The dependent interviewing we have means that people are asked questions based on a previous survey answer. So last year, you told us you did this for a living. If the participant says, yes, I still do that, we can skip a load of questions. In that instance, we have to pull the data forward from the previous year's interview to fill in those gaps. It saves a lot of time during the questionnaire process. So we can get more questions in and it's less demanding for the participant. And what's next? After that's all been done, we go through a a six point cycle process, which we call V0 to V6. So the V0 to V6 process involves all manner of checks and restructuring and validating the data. We first of all check for things such as people we knew about last year. What has happened to people we knew about last year? We have one can disappear. So we have to make sure that everyone is located in a household or they have moved off out of the survey, but everyone is accounted for. We then check for incompatible combinations of data. So people sometimes say mistakenly, they fill in the household grid and they say that their brother is actually their uncle. These sorts of combinations happen. We know this is wrong because we know what the previous survey answers have been. Uh, So we do some cleaning. Uh, We then restructure the files because every year the files are the same as the year before. They're not delivered to us from the fieldwork agency in that format. So we have to restructure them and reshape them into the data products that our users are used to seeing. We then create derived variables. Uh, There's a whole set of derived variables across all the files that we create. And we sometimes add these into multiple files to make our users' lives easier. So they have to do yet less merging of the data. We also prepare a set of geographies. The standard geographies are government office region. That's what the users will be able to see in end user license files. There are a whole heap more geographies that are issued under special license conditions, uh, which have to be applied for separately at the data service. After we've got to that certain point, which we call V3, there are three splits in the data. The data gets sent to the income team to produce all the income calculations and imputations. It's simultaneously given to the weighting team who produce all the survey weights that are required and we also send off all the free text fields for coding. This process takes a few weeks to do because it's incredibly complicated and I, wouldn't, I don't begin to understand some of it. Then eventually we get to the point where everything comes back in and converges and we bolt all the data sets back together. So now we've included derived variables, clean data, income, weighting, and coding. While this is going on, 
we can also be producing waiting and coding. While this is going on, we can also be producing the user guide. This documents all the changes, all the new data, all the fieldwork changes, all the counts across all the waves. And also while this is going on, we have a team who are doing corrections and amendments to previous waves. We always find improvements and ways that we can change and improve data based on this year's responses that may have affected last year's responses for certain participants. So while the income and waiting processes are being carried out, we implement fixes. And these are often longitudinal fixes. So we prepare a cross-wave file covering the participants across every wave they've been involved in the study. And in doing this, we can sometimes highlight improvements or corrections to earlier waves as well. All of this data is then packaged up and prepared for deposit. And the last stage in our process is the user guide with the deposit materials. And at that point, it's sent off to the UK data service. Once the data has been deposited, we then prepare the online documentation, which is uh, much admired across some of the other studies. Uh, this involves pulling all the frequency data and the statistical data out of all the state files across all of the waves and creating a database schema and loading all of this in. And it's then fed out of our uh, Understanding Society website. So users can search across variables and waves and look up index terms and find connections. And it's far more interactive than just downloading a PDF or a code book. Eventually, the data gets released and the users can use it and do research with it. Why is this work so important? This work is particularly important in a longitudinal study because it's consistency across the waves and presenting the data in a uniform manner. Otherwise, it creates merging problems and the inconsistencies between the flow and follow is just not giving the users a sense that the data is of a high quality. If we didn't perform all these operations on the data, we wouldn't be able to uh, release a lot of the variables because we don't release free text. So everything free text based would be cut out. We wouldn't be able to release any information on where people lived because we have to create those geography files so that researchers know where in the country someone is. We will never be releasing postcodes for disclosivity reasons. The data would be prone to errors and inconsistencies, um, and we wouldn't have any of the weights added. We wouldn't have income imputation and income calculations and household income statistics. Basically, most of what we do adds value to the data, to the raw data. That's what we're aiming to do. Why do you think resources such as the data from Understanding Society are so important? I think the scope data we collect and the fact that it's longitudinal, so we get the history over 11 waves now of Understanding Society and the 18 waves of BHPS before that, the British Household Panel Survey, create an invaluable resource for users and hopefully policymakers to see exactly what's changed, how trends and household behavior changes over time. This must affect and influence how we go forwards and policies are made in the future. You can find out more about Understanding Society by visiting its website and connecting via social media. My thanks to the team for walking us through their study and to you for listening.